You may be seated. May I give this to you? Good morning, everyone. Before, uh, before I get to the message, uh, many of you probably are aware of this, that we have a national celebrity in uh, our congregation. But if you're not, Chappie, uh, Chappie being in the uh, right place at the right time by divine providence, we believe, um, helped, um, we think, possibly save a man's life this week. And uh, it's good to uh, <laughs> be among people like that, isn't it? It is. Thanks, Chappie. Um, Drew asked me to give my, my uh, view on spiritual formation this morning, and um, I, I, I hope that you'll find uh, what I say helpful, and, um, and if you don't, don't blame Drew. He's, he's not here to wave me off and say, go around, you can't land here. Uh, so the, the die is cast. Um, I'm part of the spiritual formation team that, um, th- that worked to um, uh, kind of figure out what this new time that we, that we set apart by, um, by an active session, um, what, what that would be for, what its purpose would be. And in, in doing that, we, we, um, we came up with a name for it that's maybe a little unusual to you. Maybe, maybe the term spiritual formation seems a bit obscure, and, and, uh, and I want to talk about this, that this morning. Um, but we were clear in our approach that um, what we were developing was, was not calling it Sunday school or Christian education, did not, did not really communicate what goal we had in mind. The goal is spiritual formation. And um, spiritual formation is not a new idea. It may sound new to you, but it's not a new idea. It's ancient. It's as ancient as the church. As a matter of fact, many of the practices were instituted for God's people before, before Christ even came. Um, it's a little more like birthing than education. Um, Paul wrote to the Galatians, that uh, he was in labor until Christ be formed in you. And it's, it's a little more like giving birth to something than, than effectively transmitting information. So I'd like to read to you from Romans this morning, and, uh, and, and uh, we'll be talking about the message in Romans. Uh, verse 26 Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. 
And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Father, um, we acknowledge that we are totally dependent on you, that you're the supplier of all things in our lives, and that uh, if you don't teach us, um, we won't learn. And therefore, Father, we come to you this morning um, um, asking you to open our minds, open our hearts, help us to understand your will for our lives as we read um, what you have to say to us in the book of Romans. I thank you for all this and for each person here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. My title is, Why Be Spiritually Formed? And I have a short answer. It may sound a little weird to you, but um, my answer is that it has pleased God to make Christ's character our destiny. Because that's what it says in verse 29. He's uh, predestined us, predestined us to be conformed to the image of Christ. Um, Romans 8, um, set sort of in the middle of the book of Romans, uh, talks about power in the life of the Spirit, power living in the Spirit. And when we get to uh, verses uh, 26 and 27, we're taught that the Spirit helps us in our prayer to accomplish what we can't accomplish in our human limitations. Um, God bridges the gap by way of the Holy Spirit in us. And in verses, uh, in verse 28, we, in that context, we're told that in this context of praying, praying for in particular, the difficult things in life, but prayer in, in, in for all the prayer that we do, all the things that we pray for, that in that, God makes all things work together for good to those who love God. Kind of an interesting condition that's given there. Um, in our praying, we trust that God will, work, will cause all things to work together for good to those who love God, called according to his purpose. And this, this issue of, of love is, is kind of interesting to me. It, it reminds me of one of the things that, that motivates and energizes me about, about Christianity, and that is it's so simple that anyone can accept it and receive it and do it. Um, that does not imply easy. <laughs> simple. Simple. Anyone who's received the salvation that comes by faith in Jesus Christ has one rule to follow. It's a two-parter, but it's one rule. And it was first given in Deuteronomy 6.5, um, Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The second part in Leviticus 19.18, Jesus, uh, Jesus repeated this. He, it was, and your neighbor as yourself. And in Matthew 22.40, Jesus said, On these two laws hang all the law and the prophets of the Old Testament. 
by living a life of love, we fulfill all the requirements for righteousness that God has for us. That seems like a stretch, I know. But all the hard work was done in Christ Jesus' work. What he did for us accomplished all the hard stuff. Um, And I want to refer you to 1 Corinthians 13, if you've not heard of that chapter in the Bible, which describes in detail what love is and what it does. (coughs) Excuse me, and all of 1 John uh, does the same thing. Um, the condition of love that, that's uh, mentioned here, that all things work together for love, uh, all things work together for good to those who love God, that troubled me from the very beginning because it's clear that it is a condition. And I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't understand that very, very well. And uh, I'm not saying this morning that I understand it well, but it makes sense. And I think my, my difficulty with it, and maybe, maybe you will identify with this, is that not that I thought it was unfair for God to expect me to love him. <laughs> it was me knowing me being very uncertain of my ability to do it. Me recognizing that He's asking me to do something I don't do very well with people I see, much less one I don't see. And I think that I may not be the only one who experienced that and who uh, sees that and feels that way. And it's from a lack of understanding. Um, what, What I didn't understand is that God is love, 1 John 4, 8. He is love. He's the source of all love. He originated it. He invented it. He likes it. He promotes it. It's his idea. We, on the other hand, have this natural self-centeredness. I don't, maybe you haven't experienced that. But occasionally, I find that I'm confronted with being concerned about myself more than other things. And it helped me to to understand in human terms, and I think this is largely due to having a great wife, that um, love is something that grows. You got to know somebody to love somebody, don't you? And it was a long time before I personally experienced God's love. And that's a shame. It's a shame to not know His pleasure and to not feel His love. And I have to tell you, I don't know how anyone can go on seeking to love and serve a God whom they don't sense his love, it would have to only be by, oh, this may make sense, a sense of guilt, a sense of fear. And aren't these the things we often hear used to motivate Christians? But, you know, when you love somebody, 
And no, I'm not going to sing a sting song. (laughs) When you love someone, you want to respond to them. And I propose to you that we're not good at going back to God's well of love and drinking deeply. And I, I, I suggest to you that that is one of our prime responsibilities, to live in God's love. doesn't make you a mamby-pamby. doesn't make you a weakling. It's an acknowledgement of what even Freud knew, who was not a believer. We need love, and most of all, we need God's love. Spiritual formation helps provide helps provide and facilitate that deepening love experience. Well, enough said about that. But if, you're a, if your heart and soul and mind are guided by love, you will do what is got right in God's eyes, since those are the rules. And you'll be actively participating in the working of his will. It is the role of an obedient, respectful, loving child to do these things. On the other hand, to not love God makes it impossible to recognize his will for us as good. And that's how this makes sense to me. You won't know that what he's doing for you is good if you expect it to always feel good. Is that true? Excuse me. I mean, we, uh, we parents know that with children. As a matter of fact, we parents mostly remember that from our parents when we were children. The uh, candy bar that we weren't allowed to have before supper, that uh, person we weren't allowed to go spend the night with. Mom and Dad knew what we were going to do. You know, all those things that, um, that, um, that don't seem to be what we think ought to be ours. Anyway, in verse 29, we're told that, or not 29, yes, I'm sorry. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And what I want to say about this is that Christianity has in many ways been reduced to creeds and um, rules, um, one faction, whether it be extreme left or extreme right politically, but in, in so many ways, it seems to be irrelevant. It seems the way it's practiced to be weak, to be ineffective, to be irrelevant, to be um, inadequate because its people don't, don't do what God's called us to do. We've been predestined to become like Christ and that may be a bit to bite off, but it's very clear in the word of God. That's his standard. And he wants to build the character of Christ in us. He doesn't want to make 
And there's no reason to think this, although you think it from what you hear preached. He doesn't want to make improved versions of you and me. He's starting all over again. The standard is, we're told, in this great family that God's created, is Jesus Christ. He's the big brother. He's the wonderful example of obedience. Um, He's the person to model our lives after. Um, A number of years ago, there was a slogan that became very popular, and I imagine a bunch of you still have the rubber armband, what would Jesus do? It was a good slogan. Dallas Willard, one of my favorite new writers, um, not that he's new to writing, new to me, suggested that we should also ask ourselves, what would, be, what would Jesus be doing if he were me? Interesting way to look at it. Um, as a matter of fact, you could even get a little more detailed than that and ask yourself, would Jesus be doing what I'm doing right now? That uh, really screens it, doesn't it? Willard also says that uh, uh, we've probably gotten a little confused in this process of spiritual formation um, and, uh, and, and, and not realize that we have a role in it. Um, he says that God is uh, opposed to earning. We don't earn things with God. He gives them freely. Um, he's opposed to earning, but he's not opposed to effort. And in spiritual formation... We, we actively are engaged in the process of being formed. And I have a, I have a footnote to this, and I am coming to the end. Um, there is a benefit to the world in our being changed. And it, you, I'm sure everyone here has ideas what that might be. But I want to tell you about the benefit that that is uh, important to me this morning. The more we become like him, the more we reflect his light. And I think, it's my personal belief, that uh, we take on a shimmer that uh, we may not recognize ourselves. And reflecting God's light in the world makes us participants in his pursuit of the lost. And one thing we do know, God wants his lost sheep brought into the fold. We, uh, we like to say uh, uh, sometimes the, the saying that, you know, it's about people, not about stuff. And yet uh, I think we sometimes attribute God to being more concerned about the stuff in his creation than his people. But uh, Deuteronomy 32.9 says, I love this verse, God's portion is his people. And of course, Jesus said, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we know that from Second Peter 3, 9, the next great event in history The next one, we know it's coming, is the return of Christ. And Peter tells us that it is, that date is based on all of those coming to faith that God knows will come to faith. Peter wrote, God is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. 
So I have an expanded answer now to the, the question, why be spiritually formed? As it has pleased God to make Christ's character our destiny, and we please God and ourselves when we actively participate in it. I'd, uh, I now want to finish reading Romans chapter 8 because I couldn't have preached <laughs> if I finished it first. So I will close with that. Verse 31, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us, who will separate us from the love of Christ. Hardship, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered? My question mark. No! In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.